Let's begin with a brief word of prayer. We ask our God to be with us today. Dear Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock, our refuge, and our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, um, what gives you joy? Yesterday afternoon, Friday afternoon, here in this very room, it was kind of a cool thing. We got to have a special year-end worship service for uh, the, the, the end, the commemorating of the end of the first year of our new Divine Savior School. That was kind of a cool thing. Uh, one whole year of our, of our new school uh, where we got to serve students, providing special education in a, in a supportive community shaped by Christ's love. You know, starting a school like that to, to meet people with special needs during a pandemic probably isn't what anybody would think is a good idea or even possible. But of course, we know with, with God, all things are possible, and he, he poured out all kinds of blessings, um, not only on the Divine Savior School, but upon our whole campus ministry here at Divine Savior in Doral. So yesterday it was cool. We, Pastor Steve and I have started having once a month services for the, the students, the families, the parents, the staff of the Divine Savior School, we have these kind of special worship at the cross services, we call them. And so at the end of uh, yesterday's service, we, we sang this song that some of you probably know. It goes like this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Okay, yeah, you know that one, right? The joy, the joy of the Lord, that's that's our strength. So we talked about what, what gives us joy. And we talked about family, friends, vacations, sometimes a big juicy hamburger, you know, food can give us joy. But, but there's, some, there's something more. There's something, there's something bigger that we talked about that can give us joy even when we're going through times that are really tough. And, and that's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. Right? So today what we want to kind of talk about is to see why that is and how really, really only Jesus can give you a surplus of joy. All right? Joy no matter the circumstances and joy that makes you generous. Okay, so the Word of God that we're going to study today, as we've been journeying through 2 Corinthians, we're going, to, we're going to find ourselves in chapter 8. And again, so this is where the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the, the Corinthians, right, the members of this church uh, in, in Corinth. And, and this is a section where he kind of switches gears up a little bit, and he's going to introduce a, the, a new topic to them, the new topic of a special offering. All right, so uh, an offering was being gathered by all these churches on the, the west side of the Aegean Sea, and, and they're gathering this offering to help out some poor believers, some poor Christians in Jerusalem, right, on the other side of the sea. So here's what Paul says. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. He writes, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So that's just north of Corinth. It's up there like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, cities like that. Paul says, in the midst of a very severe trial, 
their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So Titus, he had a really important role. right? He was a friend of the Apostle Paul, and he got to go and, and, and uh, help uh, motivate and encourage these people, right? So he says here in, ver- in uh, verse 7, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) So let's just back up a little bit. Let's zoom out and kind of orient ourselves to, to the context of what's going on. So again, Paul, he's writing to the Corinthians, and, and we know, like, he's had to deal with some sin issues in this congregation, right? We've talked about some of that in the, in the past here. But what's kind of neat is, you know, here, here he's still, he's, he's calling them brothers and sisters. It's like, despite all the, the issues they had going on, he still, he still knows that in their heart of hearts, they, they want to do the Lord's will. There's, they're still believers in Jesus. They still treasure the, the gospel message and, and the victory that Jesus won for them, right? They still love their Savior, they're, they're saved to serve, they're, they're brothers and sisters. And, and what we find out is that previously, when, when Paul had been there with them, he had told them about how the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem were, were really struggling. They were, they were suffering because of poverty and because of persecution. And so the Corinthians at that time, okay, a while back, when, when they heard about that, their first thought was, well, Paul, what can we do to help? Like, like, we should be leading the way in generosity here. Like, it's, it's the least we can do. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ, after all, even though we don't personally even know them. But, I mean, if we've been blessed spiritually by them, like, we might not even know Jesus unless it were for the missionaries and the people that they sent out, like you, Paul. So the least we could do would be to share from our material blessings with them. Right? So at first, the, the Corinthians were really excited in fact, the whole like, gathering of, of an offering to send it over there, it was their idea in the first place. They were the first church to say, we're in. But it kind of sounds like something, something's happened, doesn't it? Because the, the verses that I read, like, it sounds like Paul is trying to kind of give them a little pep talk, doesn't it? And I think, you know, you probably can guess how it goes, too, sometimes, right? Like some, some time passed, and their offerings didn't keep up with their commitments. Like, you know, 
or, or some things popped up in their lives and they kind of forgot about those people far away. Right? They're their own needs, their own wants, perhaps a little bit too. Those are what seem so urgent. And that probably happens to us a little bit sometimes too, doesn't it? You know, I, I heard one thing this week. Uh, they were talking about how one of the biggest trends of the, the stay-at-home season of the pandemic has been the, the, the boom in home remodeling projects. Right? I mean, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Like, you got all these people at home looking at and sitting in their same furniture, right? Looking at those same fixtures, and then, you know, what are you going to do? You watch TV, and every channel's got its own, like, home remodeling shows on, and it's just always amazing what they can do, and they make you think you can do everything on your own, right? And, and then you got kind of maybe sometimes, uh, you know, the influx of stimulus funds and things like that. It's like the perfect recipe for making Home Depot happy, right? And of course, I'm not saying that, you know, it's like sinful to want to wanna, like remodel your, your bathroom, for example, right? But it does kind of show how easy it is sometimes, easy enough. We can find by experience how, how easy it is to to lose focus first and foremost, perhaps, on God and the ministry of the gospel, to put it second or maybe third or fourth or lower on our priorities in life. You know, and you kind of get the sense this is what was going on with the Corinthians, too. Like some stuff came up. Their, their priorities shifted, and the results seemed like all of a sudden they didn't have the they didn't have the enthusiasm to carry through with what they, got, what they were endorsing and excited about in the first place. All right, so that's the context, right? And then Paul's writing to them now. And he's, he, he, what he wants to do is kind of say, look, guys, I, 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 I get it. I see, like, you're struggling right now with, with your generosity. So what I want to do is to help you understand the, the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches, Right? Those churches, they're just north of you. Like Those are churches I, w- I was their pastor too and started there. Like, you got to understand something, you guys. That's what he's trying to say. When they became Christians, like many of them lost their jobs. Many of them were persecuted. It, it wasn't easy. Because of their faith in Jesus, many of them are now poor. But, the, but here's like what happened. Like The more they were persecuted, the more the more they, they, they began to discover the peace that's theirs through Jesus. The more that they had a hunger for God's word, the more they, they wanted to share that with others. It's almost like, you know, how like a, a tree in, in a dry season will, will, will spread its roots deep, right? Like, like they're suffering up there, but, but it's like their roots went deep into the reservoir of God's grace. Here's what Paul said again, verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. It's a really interesting way to put it, isn't it? Well, where, where did their joy and generosity come from? It came from Jesus, didn't it? Because it couldn't have come from their outward circumstances, right? 
I mean, if they allowed their outward circumstances to dictate the level of joy in their hearts, I mean, they, they, they wouldn't have had any generosity, would they? And I think if we're honest, we, we know it, neither would we. They, they would have become discontent, angry, and bitter against God, right? God, how could you? We're, we're committed to you, and you're taking all this stuff away from us. The more we're committed to you, the worse the bottom line seems to get for our businesses. I think at times, don't we some, you know, react with a sense of indignation when opportunities are presented? I think of one or two special offerings we presented this year, and some people were indignant about that. Like, you're asking me to give? Well, we're just saying, here's an opportunity. You don't have to get upset about that. This could be a great opportunity to show the love of Jesus to somebody, to somebody else, to some other people, right? And I say that because I know how, in my own heart, I've reacted like that at times, too. But instead, what Paul's saying is when it comes to the Macedonians, he says their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, Paul even goes on to say later that they gave beyond their ability. You can imagine some of the more conservative financial planners on cable TV were telling them, like, it's not very wise of you to do that. Like, you should be putting that away. And they're like, no, we're pleading with you for the opportunity to be a part of this special gift. Here's, here's what Paul says. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Friends, could you imagine in the world, right, if the... Imagine... Here's my question. Could you imagine the impact of the Christian church in the world if believers were known for the people that are out there going, please give us opportunities to be generous to the poor. Could you imagine the impact of of a church in a a community, wherever it is? And communities are all different, right? But can you imagine the impact of, of, of a church and a ministry that is known in its community for being generous? Could you imagine a the annual meeting of a congregation going in such a way that people were, 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 were asking to dramatically expand the ministry plan that was presented because they, they felt compelled to give more in order to take advantage of the opportunities that they saw and the needs that could be met if but people would give like the Macedonians. Right? Could you imagine that like, if every time you got an, an unexpected financial windfall or a blessing from the Lord, your first question was, wow, Thank you, God. And like, how could, what portion of this could I give to, to show my gratitude to you to help share the gospel with more people? Or how might I use this to, to bless and serve my neighbor in need in the name of Jesus to give you glory? God, show me. Show me who, whom I could love. Right? Well, what could happen? What kind of reputation would the church of Jesus have well, how could this happen? Well, it's, it's interesting. Again, here's, here's this verse. 
verse 5, and I just want to highlight the part where Paul says, like, here's, how, did they, how could they have exceeded our expectations? He says, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. I think that's always the key. Not, not to a specific cause or to a specific, like, not for the, the acclaim of it, but, but they're giving themselves to the Lord, you know? And so just like, this is how it always is, right? Like, why did Jesus praise that, that widow in the gospel lesson, right? Who could be, it was because, because of her heart, right? Not, not necessarily the size of her gift. And that's the thing. God, God's not so much concerned for your money. He's concerned about your heart, your, your trust. Right? And the Macedonians, what they, what they understood is that this was an opportunity for them, even though like, they, they didn't have a lot materially, this was an opportunity to exercise their trust in the Lord. This was an opportunity to worship. To worship. That's really how the Bible talks about that, you know, giving as an act of worship, right? So, bringing it home, here's what Paul says. He says, but since you excel in everything, and like the Corinthians were really blessed. They had spiritual gifts. He says, you're blessed, guys, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we've kindled in you. They wanted to excel in all these things. But he says, see also that you excel in this grace of giving, And again, here's this awesome verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Wow, huh? So, you know, in the United States, right, like we we love to hear a good, like, rags-to-riches story, that kind of a thing, right? Like the story where, Someone comes from a family and they, they, they don't have anything or they lost it all but they're starting over and, and somebody just through, through hard work and, and maybe some good fortune thrown in, um, they, they make it big, right? We love stories like that here in this country. But, you know, what's kind of interesting is that the, the gospel story of Jesus, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of the opposite of that in a sense, isn't it? It's kind of a a riches to rag story, if you think about it. Right? You've got Jesus, the, the eternal Son of God, right? At home in heaven, right? being worshipped by the holy angels. But what does he do? He, he humbles himself and becomes one of us and is born in a stable and is wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. Even more, he, he humbles himself to, to bear our sin and to, to wear our shame and to suffer our death. He, he dies on a cross as the atoning sacrifice for all our sins, right? And why? Well, in a word, grace. Undeserved love. That's why. So that through his poverty, we might become rich. And that's why, because of his story, right, our story now becomes the, the truest rags to riches story there is. That though who we are by nature as poor, miserable sinners, right? Yet through faith in Jesus Christ, we become eternally rich. 
not because we earned it, but because of the grace that's been given. Through faith, we have received the forgiveness of all our sins, our selfishness, our greed, our apathy, our laziness, our condescension, our pride. We're forgiven. Through faith in Jesus, we have a secure identity now as children of God. We have a purpose to love and to serve. We have a home prepared for us in heaven. No matter our earthly success levels, no matter the circumstances that we're in, we are fantastically rich through faith in Christ. And friends, that's why only Jesus can give you a surplus of joy. Joy, no matter what your circumstances are. And joy, that makes you generous. So what's it going to look like in your life? To be somebody who's known as being joyfully generous. Well, first of all, I can't specifically answer that question for you. Because to do that would be to kind of like take away some of the fun that God wants you to have in seeing spontaneous opportunities for you to, to show the love of Jesus to somebody. Right? But, but, but do keep your eyes open and do look at your opportunities in weekly worship to give as just that, opportunities to express your gratitude to God to help support a ministry that shares the gospel with others, which is what can actually make them eternally rich. See? But then also, do keep your eyes open for those people that God puts in your path whom you can bless and serve and love joyfully in the name of Jesus. And so let me give you today just one practical suggestion. It's called a blessing bag. Have you heard of this before? You, you can search Pinterest, find a thousand different ideas and checklists of this. You can, you can Google the concept and pick your favorite kind of things. The idea is, as we go out and travel and go places, and as you go on your commute to work or as you're going on a vacation, wouldn't it be cool if you could pack a blessing bag or maybe a couple? And you just always keep something like this in your car or your vehicle filled with some kind, thoughtful, actually helpful, practical things, and maybe some coins and some cash. It wouldn't have to cost a lot of money, but you could put a $100 bill or something in there if you chose to do that, right? But then wherever you go and whoever you meet and whoever you see as the Holy Spirit prompts you to help, you don't have to do one of those, like, I think the Spirit is telling me I should help that person, but I don't know what to do, and I don't want to do the wrong thing, I don't have anything to do. Like, this would be a way for you to just go, okay, God, you've opened my eyes. That's a person, isn't it, that I can help? Maybe I can't fix everything in their life, but I can bless them in the name of Jesus. But why would we do that? Well, because who are we? We are people who have been saved to serve. And this is just the kind of thing that happens joyfully when Jesus gives you a surplus of joy. So, Go and have fun being generous and blessing people in the name of Jesus. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Friends, would you stand with me? We're going to join together in confessing our faith using the ancient historic words of the, the Nicene Creed as we confess our faith together. 
We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen.